Welcome to Tackless Radio. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, and everyone in between to another episode of Tackless Radio. Happy Black History Month, everybody. So happy to have you here. Black power, black power, black power. However, I want to talk about some crazy caucasity on today in a little segment I like to call Shit I Saw. Now, warning, I might trigger some people, specifically parents, because I'm going to talk about a case that is unlike no other. It is the first of its kind, and I think it's very important for us to understand what this means moving forward. So, if you all are unaware, Jennifer Crumbly who is the mother of the school shooter, Ethan Crumbly, was found guilty of manslaughter for the mass shooting her son committed. This is the first time that a parent has been held responsible and will be receiving jail time for an action that their child did. Now, I know a whole bunch of parents just heard me read the title of the article and I am going to be reading this from cnn.com I'm pretty sure a lot of parents just heard me say that title and they're like well why the fuck would I be going to jail to something that my crazy ass kid did I get it I completely get it but when I read the details of the case understanding how negligent both of his parents were I think is where we, we have to say to ourselves, if we are not going to see realistic gun reform in this country, if we are not going to make it difficult for people who should not have guns to not have guns, then when we have these school shootings happen, which in this particular country, they are happening way too fucking often. When we have these type of school shootings, We need to start holding a lot of people accountable because maybe then you will be a better gun owner. You will lock your shit up. Your shit will be registered. You won't have it around children. You will actually be responsible for where the ammo is. You will put a safety on. You will do all the things. But we have so many stories of children gunning down other children and you have to ask yourself how are they getting access to these firearms and majority of the time it's the parents and I honestly agree that we need to start holding parents accountable for the actions of their children when they are this dire so let's go ahead and get into it Jennifer Crumbly the mother of the teenager who killed four students at an Oxford Michigan high school in 2021 was found guilty Tuesday on all four counts of involuntary manslaughter in the novel legal case that stood as a test of the limits of who is responsible for a school shooting. 
The jury of 12 deliberated for more than 10 hours. Jennifer Crumbly looked down at her clasped hands as the verdict was read. She was taken from the courtroom in shackles. Crumbly, 45, has pled not guilty to the charges in the November 30th, 2021 mass shooting at Oxford High School in which her son killed four students and wounded six students and a teacher. She faces up to 15 years in prison and her sentencing hearing was set for April 9th. She has been behind bars since her arrest in a Detroit warehouse days after the shooting. So this is a novel case, meaning that this is the first of its kind. Never has a parent been prosecuted, charged, and going to jail for the actions of their child, specifically in a school shooting. This is the first of its kind. And because she was found guilty, it kind of opens up the door for other parents to say to themselves, whoa, 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 now, when it comes to my firearms, I should do a way better job of locking these up, or I should not be giving firearms to my underage children, which Jennifer Crumbly and Ethan's father have testified that for that child's 15th birthday, he was gifted a firearm. Why would you do that? As I read more about this case, one of the reasons why she was charged and one of the reasons she was found guilty was because she was the last adult seen with the firearm that Ethan used to gun down four students and six others at Oxford High School. They went to a gun range on November 27th and she said she left the gun in the car. She did say that she left the gun in the car in the gun lockbox because she doesn't like fooling around with the gun. That's her husband's thing. So when he got home, he took the gun out of the car and then put it into the house and locked it away. So she says. But she was the last adult seen with the firearm. And she admitted that she did not take the firearm out of the house and secure it properly in the house when they got home in some way somehow Ethan was able to get the gun and that's what he used on November 30th three days later after they went to the gun range but then we also learned that Ethan reached out to his parents multiple times about his mental health he was a student at risk and administrators told the parents numerous of times that he is acting out, that he is showing violent behaviors, he is creating violent images, he is drawing them, he is coloring them, he is Googling on the school computers, watching people get shot, watching people shooting others. He is Googling this type of imagery and the parents were told that he needs additional assistance. And the parents pretty much brushed it under the rug. The mom actually texted Ethan and said, LOL, I'm not mad at you. You just need to be better about covering it up. And Ethan is in another text thread messaging his friend about hearing voices and asking his parents to go talk to somebody and he feels like he's going crazy and his parents just keep laughing at him and telling him he needs to suck it up that is all of 
the evidence that the jury saw that told them this bitch is grossly negligent. It's a difference between I have a gun, I lock my gun up, and my child gets into it and then does something crazy versus I am being made aware that my child is suffering mentally. I am being made aware that my child is exhibiting violent behavior. I am being made aware that my child is watching gun violence on the school laptops. And they are recommending that I get him some therapy and I get, and I get him some help. But I said, nah, fuck it. My child is reaching out to me about mommy's infidelity and affair and her hanging out with her new boyfriend and I need to talk to somebody and I hear voices in my head and they laughing at me and calling me crazy and telling me to suck it up so the school has warned me my child has warned me and I have done absolutely nothing about the situation and then on top of that I am negligent with said firearm because I did not properly lock it up in the house I left it in the car that's different. That's a completely different situation. Actually, that is a perfect storm for a school shooter. Lock her ass up. And you want to know what's so interesting? Because she was found guilty in this case, they're coming after the daddy next. They're coming after the daddy next. Because he too was made aware about Ethan's mental health issues. And he was the individual that bought Ethan a firearm for his birthday. Which is also kind of like, what the fuck are we doing? So I am hoping with this being a novel case, the first of its kind, and we're seeing the success with Jennifer being found guilty, that this is a alarm bell for many other parents who want to scream and shout about their Second Amendment right and how they want to keep their guns, but they want to be negligent about the safety of said guns because now your irresponsible actions are costing the lives of others. I hope now that you all understand that since you won't give us gun reform, your ass going to be going to jail for the stuff that your kids are doing and getting into because you want to be a parent, a lazy one at that. So my heart goes out to Hannah St. Juliana, Justin Schilling, Madison Baldwin, and Tate Mir, who were the students who lost their lives during that shooting. But I wanted to talk about this case because I think it's important for a lot of people to understand that you need to be an active parent, that we need to be taking mental health very seriously. And that you cannot allow for the school system and for the legal system to raise your children. That is your fucking responsibility. You shouldn't be putting your boyfriends above your children. You shouldn't be putting your girlfriends above your children. You should be listening to your children. You should be asking your children questions. You should be interested in what your children have going on. Because majority of these kids who shoot up these schools are coming from homes that are troubled because y'all don't want to do your fucking jobs. And I get it. We live in a capitalistic society where you're not allowed to be an active.
active parent that shows up because you work 60 hours a week trying to keep the lights on is a sick system that we live in. But if we are going to see any change in this particular area, it fucking starts at home. Hey, Negroes and allies alike. Happy Black History Month. And welcome back to your tactless take of the week. And because it is Black History Month, and I am a goddamn teacher, I am going to be teaching you all about Black history, but specifically Black women history. I say all the time across my social media platforms that since men are so misogynistic, they never bother to learn women's history because there's so many things that men say that just blow my mind that I'm like, if you knew women's history, you wouldn't say that dumb shit. Oh, well, if you women want your rights, then you all should be enlisted in the draft. My love, the Supreme Court told women that they could not participate in the draft. We wanted to. There were so many women who actually fought to be participants in the draft, but it was this very sexist legal system that we got here that told women no. So if you want women to be in the draft so much, which is a moot point because we not had the draft in like the last 60 fucking years, you all just like to like to pinpoint things that are so dumb that if you just knew women's history, you'd be like, well, we were not going to sit here and be like, well, you bitches should be enlisted in the draft. You would more so say, well, we need to go back to Supreme Court and remove that rule and we should just allow for everybody to be in the draft. But if you knew anything, if you knew anything, you would know that the second wave feminism movement actually fought for us to abolish the draft as a whole because it is absolutely fucking ridiculous that anyone be drafted anyway. So, I am going to be using my platform for the following month to share Black women history facts. The 6,888th Central Posted Directory Battalion was a mostly African-American battalion of the Women's Army Corps. They had members of Caribbean and Mexican descent as well. Three Mexicans, actually. Shout out to them. Congress established the Women's Army Corps on July 1st in 1943 from what was previously the Women's Army Auxiliary Corps. The women trained for four to six weeks in basic training and then an additional four to 12 weeks of specialized training. First Lady Eleanor Roosevelt and Miss Mary McLeod Bethune successfully pushed for the admittance of Black women into the WAC. Mail written to the troops would be sent overseas to Europe and be processed by a postal battalion. But by 1945, multiple warehouses in Birmingham, England, contained mail for soldiers that had not been distributed. And actually a little known fact, when the women arrived to the warehouse in England and saw the backlog, they estimated that it would take them about a year to get through that backlog. And these badass women actually got through it in six months check that. At a time, there were about 7 million American soldiers and government workers in Europe. 
service members were frustrated about not receiving their letters, which completely makes sense. I mean, if you are out there getting your leg blown off, you want to hear from your side piece, you know, get a little something, something in the mail, a little cheeky, good for morale. The challenge was to get the mail out in a timely manner. There were postal personnel stationed in Birmingham, but not enough to alleviate the problem. Various African-American organizations demanded that Black women in the WAC get the same opportunity to serve overseas. In 1944, the War Department gave in to their demands, and the 6,888th Central Postal Directory Battalion was created. Major Charity Adams, the highest-ranking female African-American officer, was selected to serve as the battalion leader, and on February 3rd in 1945, they sailed for Britain. They were met with warehouses full of packages and letters. The buildings lacked sufficient lighting, and they were inadequately heated. The windows were covered to prevent them from becoming a target during nighttime raids. The units were broken into three eight-hour shifts, and they worked seven days a week. Through the challenges, they organized the mail by creating information cards with serial numbers for proper identification. They identified that the mail was not correctly addressed and used clues to see who it was intended for. Through heavy work demands, they had to adjust to increased attention. The locals came to watch them at work. They made friends and were welcomed into public spaces. The women stayed in Old King Edward School and the officers were spread among two houses. Living and eating facilities were segregated by race and gender. Black male soldiers were allowed into a local club for enlisted soldiers, but the black women soldiers were not. Major Adams led a boycott of the alternative segregated facilities that were offered to the women. They decided to run their own food hall, hair salon, and refreshment bar. The women were subjected to slander spread about by male soldiers who resented that black women were allowed in the army. And just to kind of get off track for a little bit, when I have conversations with black men, real conversations with, with black men about how they have harmed our community and the things that they have done to uphold patriarchy, they look at me as if I've grown a second head. But that is what I mean. These black women were enlisted into the army. So everybody who's yelling about women, if you all want your rights and want to be equal, you need to fight for your country, blah, 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 blah. These women were doing that and were still slandered, were still harassed, still had to deal with bullshit. Not only because they were black, but also because they were women. Continuing, after clearing the male backlog in Rouen, the 6,888 moved to Paris in October of 1945, and they were able to enjoy a better taste of living. In February 1946, the unit was sent back to the United States where they received no welcoming ceremony. The 6,888th Battalion was the only all-Black women's unit to serve overseas. In 1981, a few of the women returned to England to be honored by the Birmingham's mayor. In 1989, Major Adams released a memoir, One Woman's Army, a Black officer remembers the whack, sharing her life experiences. In 1996, 
the Smithsonian Institution National Postal Museum honored Major Adams as the commander of the 6,888th Battalion. The 6,888th veterans received certificates and letters of appreciation signed by the Army Chief of Staff. And on February 28th of 2022, the U.S. House of Representatives voted 422 to 0 to award the Congressional Gold Medal to the women of the 6,888th Central Postal Directory Battalion. The state passed a similar measure in 2021, honoring the hard work of the 6668. And I recently found out that they're going to be making a movie about these amazing women. So that is your tactless take of the week, learning about the badasses of the 6668. Thank you all for coming. Thank you all for being here. Thank you all for returning. I hope you all are radiating love this Blackity Black Month. And if you are not Black, make sure you go assist, help, uplift the Black person in your life today. And if you don't have any Black people in your life, well, then you're just a racist.